Before I read for you the second reading, I'm going to read a wee bit from the first reading that somehow got omitted because we had such a convoluted cut and paste scripture reading. It's verse 20. I, but it's like really important to make my point. So once all the people of Israel are assembled on Mount Carmel and um, before the prophet builds the altar and does all that, he speaks to the people and he says this, how long will you go limping with two different opinions? Okay, you heard that. Now that'll help. <laughs> now we're going to hear from Paul. The New Testament. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Creator, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus the Christ. Here ends our reading from scripture. This morning, we are asked to listen to two very angry servants of God, the Apostle Paul and the prophet Elijah. Some of you may be like a couple of friends of mine, people who absolutely love conflict. 
loved to watch people mix it up in loud and boisterous shouting matches. Not me. When I was in my 20s, I had what may have been a panic attack when a couple at the next table over in an open restaurant had a tiff. I tried to curl myself into the fetal position in my chair. That is a difficult pose, in no way a calming yoga position. Something in me wants to close the door when the shouting begins. Maybe that is why the spirit nudged me into exploring righteous anger this morning. There is something of God's holiness in the word righteous. We are inclined to hear self-righteous, perhaps to avoid thinking about holiness in a form that can create fear and trembling. Let's give it a go this morning. Let's try to stay with these stories to see if we can learn something of God's way with us by learning about the virtue or healthiness of these bursts of anger. Elijah lived maybe 800 years before Christ, a really, really long time ago. God called him to speak truth to power, which in his day was King Ahab, married to Queen Jezebel. No easy task. Ahab preferred to keep his foreign and very rich wife happy, even if she did insist on worshiping other gods, even if she did violate more of the Ten Commandments than she kept. Elijah had to convince Ahab and all the people of Israel that Yahweh was still the Mighty One, even though Jezebel had recruited all the other prophets in town to her side in this dispute. Here, Elijah's anger in his opening words. How long will you go limping between two opinions? Make up your minds. Now, Paul is another servant of God, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ after the resurrection. Paul went through a radical conversion one that took him into the desert to pray for years and years before responding to Jesus' call to preach the gospel of reconciliation to both the Jews and the Gentiles. As he preached throughout the Mediterranean world, he started churches, gathered congregations, instructed them in the love of God and the love of neighbor, the way Jesus wanted them to live with one another. Conflict went with him on this journey. The Jews were angry because he did not keep all the rituals of the Jewish faith, including circumcision and the food purity laws. 
Some Jews who followed Jesus wanted to keep the old ways and mix them all in with the new way. Most Gentiles just wanted to follow Jesus without becoming Jews first. Congregational life could be contentious. Paul preached new creation gospel. In the passage we read this morning, Paul is angry, spitting angry, that the Galatians have forgotten his words. He knows that if the leaders there begin to insist on keeping the old ways, the congregation will split and die. Can we relate to this? In our time and place, we see these same conflicts alive in the Christian community. Are we to follow Jesus, who calls us to trust him, to come together, to love one another and love our neighbors? Or are we, start to make, are we to start making purity laws about who is in and who is out? We also see a lot of anger abroad in the land in this political season. How do we determine whether the anger we see is righteous or not? When is anger the word of God we are called to speak? There was a story in Saturday's Chronicle about an eighth grader who spent way too many years cradling her anger at being bullied for her skin color. This past year, she began to notice she was not alone in this experience. She saw younger kids at her school going through the same thing. Something in her made her take a stand, create a no-flex zone, which, in the foreign language of middle school, means a safe zone, where no hateful words may be spoken. A sanctuary, we might say. Daniil Lemon got a peacemaking award for her action, fueled by her righteous anger. Daniil's act took her out of fear into love and justice. Perhaps that is the virtue of righteous anger. Elijah can sound like one very self-involved narcissist when we read some of his conversations with God. Elijah says things like, I'm the only good prophet. Every other person in Israel is wrong and only I am right. Jezebel is going to do something awful to me. God speaks a hard word to Elijah, something akin to get over yourself and do your job. <laughs> Elijah's fear was very strong, but God's presence was stronger, calling Elijah to that holy place where anger fuels our ability to love the people who have done us wrong. That holy place where fire can come down from heaven, if need be. Paul began his Christian life as an enemy, a Pharisee who thought 
God wanted him to take all the Christians he could find and put them in prison or kill them. Jesus came to him in a vision and called him to change, become a preacher of Christ's love rather than the wrath of God. Paul's personality was still capable of great anger. He had always to be searching his heart to make sure his anger was of Christ, righteous and holy, and not coming from some other source. In that, he is very much like all of us. In this political season, it is difficult to understand the motivations behind the votes and the polling and the analysis. This week, I came across some words written by Thomas Merton in 1964, another turbulent time in America. Merton was a Catholic priest, a Trappist monk, called to silent prayer, but also to write a double life with which he wrestled. He wrote this, True solidarity is destroyed by the political art of pitting one man against another and the commercial art of estimating all men at a price. Forgive the sexist language, it was 1964, but hear these words from 50 years ago. Once more now, just as we did then, we are engaged in destroying the solidarity of our country by pitting one group of people against another. Even more now than then, we categorize people in terms of economic value. How much do you make? What are you worth? What can you sell your house for? All in dollar terms. Merton went on to write that when a society does this, each one of us may begin to feel a certain humiliation inside, which can lead us to rage. And I say this, rage is rarely righteous anger of God, but it's opposite. Rage leads us to grudges kept and prolonged rather than to acts of peacemaking. The virtue of righteous anger rises from its root in the heart of God. It is like mother love, which shouts at the toddler, don't touch that stove, which may sound a whole lot like anger. Righteous anger may be calling our country to listen even to the rage crying for help in response to our economic arrangements, which feels so unfair to so many people. The gospel of Jesus that Paul preached calls us to the greatest virtue of all, agape, love of neighbor. 
The jealous God pictured in some of the Hebrew scriptures reminds us with fire and smoke to refuse to worship idols. Idols like the almighty dollar. In America, maybe we could once again become a beacon of hope, but only if our land of plenty figures out ways, fair ways, to share. Ways that include rather than exclude. America claims, out of the many, one, as our motto. It says so on the dollar. I found it with a magnifying glass, a pluribus unum in Latin. But we do not always live that way. Yesterday, I came across these words from another venerable Christian, Reinhold Niebuhr, Protestant pastor in Detroit, in 1922, the end of the Gilded Age. He was thinking about another pastor who'd just been fired from his congregation for preaching political sermons. Niebuhr was no slouch in that regard, but he writes, if you set the message of the gospel of love against a society enmeshed in hatred and bigotries and engulfed in greed, you will have a real, but not necessarily futile, conflict on your hands. There is enough natural grace in the human heart to respond to the challenge of the real message of the gospel and enough original sin in human nature to create opposition to it. And so the invitation this morning is to trust in God alone, to listen to Jesus, to discern the truth to be found in angry words, but follow the path of love, particularly when to do so is hard. And also this, pay attention to the young ones in middle school when they cry out for justice and act in peace. Amen.